it known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic radio for your soul in North Texas. Heard also on grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is the Good News Show. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this special Labor Day uh, program, pre-recorded it is, here on Labor Day, KTH 910 AM. And I had the opportunity last week to do a couple of interviews about uh, some events, uh, really one big event that's going on this weekend, and it is something that we have been delighted to be involved in the last couple of years. I'm sure you remember the last couple of years, all the excitement about what's called Catholic Bowl where there is a celebration of faith, freedom, and football. And Catholic Bowl Three is coming up this Saturday on September 9th, and it's going to be a double-header football of high school teams, three of whom are from the area, and one is from Lafayette, Louisiana. It's going to happen at the Ford Center at the Star in Frisco. And uh, one of the games is going to be 3 o'clock, Nolan Catholic against St. Enmid of Louisiana. And then 7 o'clock, John Paul II in Plano against Sacred Heart uh, Football in Munster. And I uh, want to mention also the second half of the program today. We're going to be talking about something else associated with this weekend as well. And that is a Shroud of Turin uh, exhibit. And uh, Don Shotland is going to be in studio with me. And also uh, Barry Schwartz, who's an expert on the Shroud of Trin, will be on the second half of the program. Okay, so no further uh, ado, let me introduce the founder and president of Global Football Foundation. He does this not only in North Texas, but around the world. His name is Patrick Steenberg, and he joins me via phone to talk about Catholic Bowl 3 this Saturday. Patrick, good afternoon. Hey, good day, David. It's uh, It's fun to be on with you again this year as we're getting ready for the the third Catholic Bowl. So it's, a, it's a great time of year with high school football getting started. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago, 2021, uh, coming out of the pandemic and uh, the first one that we had in North Texas. And it was just like, wow, why, why didn't somebody think of this before? Because it's just such a great idea, especially where you can you, you connect not only the love of football, which most of us have, but faith and freedom. And it's all packed together with one event. So what was, if you could kind of give us a bird's eye view of what Global Football Foundation is, is and how it's involved what you've done the last well two years and then this weekend here in north texas sure well just uh a week ago i was in ireland with six high schools playing alongside notre dame and navy um so that was a that was a, a pretty wild event uh we had a, a number of different schools two catholic schools were involved seton hall prep out of new jersey uh which has been a, a long-standing powerhouse up in that area. And then Bonner and Prendy out of Philadelphia were two of the schools uh, that were present. But yeah, I basically just uh, I had a, an idea when I was mid-40s, uh, like what do I want to do in life? It was kind of one of those moments. And I had played football all the way up through college and was blessed with 16 years of Catholic education. And uh, But I got injured my senior year and was, was done playing the sport. 
and uh, so did other things in, in marketing and in media and athletics. And uh, but I love travel and I love the educational component of travel. And the sport of football to me is the ultimate team game where it develops character among teammates. And so I started this global football idea, and we've now done games and educational events in 28 countries on six continents. Uh, but most of the time, I'm taking American teams overseas. What's fun about the Catholic Bowl is to bring you know, local teams from this area, this region of the country, and take them to the Cowboys facility, the Ford Center up in Frisco, which is an awesome high school football venue, and uh, to showcase their talents uh, right here in the Metroplex. You know, you say you've been in 28 different countries, being an American football teams over there. And are there any other cities in America or diocese in America where you're doing this kind of an event, or are we the lucky ones that get it exclusively here, at least in America? Yeah, right now, uh, Dallas-Fort Worth is the only place doing this, and uh, I live in, in Granbury, which is right you know, just in this area. Um, and really, it, it was one of those born out of COVID ideas, right? How many things changed in all of our lives. Mm-hmm. But for two years, I could not take anybody overseas, right? Nobody could travel as a team and, and go overseas. And I was really frustrated. And I kind of came up with this idea. It's like, well, why don't I just showcase local talent and do it in a, in a great facility like at the Star and um, really celebrate you know, high school education, high school athletics, which was really good to in my formation of my own personality. Um, so it, it kind of came because I couldn't travel anywhere. And uh, that's how it came about. And we've been able to showcase it now. This will be the third time. And uh, I, I see it just continue. I, I do get calls and emails periodically from different cities. Uh, some folks in Indianapolis, I know, some folks in St. Louis, uh, some people in the Boston area. But at this point, I'm happy just to, to keep this one right here in North Texas. Uh, yeah, we're, we're happy that you're, you're doing it here as well. I know there's something Friday night, and it's closed. It's not open to the public. But I think it's important to, to mention this, at least, to show how much not only are the, the, the clergy, and in this case, Bishop Olson in Fort Worth, are behind this, but also the prayer and the Catholicism of this event. So can you just real quickly talk about what's happening Friday night, even though I know it's kind of closed and it's really just for the coaches and the players and, and clergy, right? Sure. I, I, you know, and, and you started off, you hit the three bullet points that we build this event around, and the first one is our faith. And, uh, you know, I'm proud to be a Catholic and to be have lived that my whole life. And uh, these we want these young men to think the same way. So we're going to start it off with a mass. Uh, when I was playing at Notre Dame, we always had a mass the morning of the game. So here we're going to have a mass up at St. Martin de Porres, just north of Frisco a little bit. And we'll have the four teams, uh, their their staff, their coaching staff, their administrators, and Bishop Olson will be the primary celebrant. There'll be some concelebrants with him, some uh, some of the clergy from the other schools and dioceses. Uh, but we'll have that that mass and just kind of give thanks for all our blessings uh, that we have that these young men get to do this this type of thing that these schools have this opportunity. And then we'll have a barbecue. The Knights of Columbus have been really helpful in putting together a big barbecue kind of outside. We'll, we're renting a tent and tables and chairs and have all that set up, and uh, it'll be just a, 
a great Friday evening of fellowship. And, of course, Saturday, September 9th, this coming Saturday, is the day where all of our listeners are invited to participate. And this is when, actually, Catholic Bowl Three is going to happen. As I mentioned before, three of the four teams are from the local area. We've got Nolan Catholic High School playing against St. Edmund of Eunice from Louisiana. And then 7 o'clock uh, this coming Saturday, John Paul II in Plano will play Sacred Heart Football from Munster. And, of course, you're going to have the, the marching band, the cheerleaders, a lot going on. Warm-ups start at 1.30, and there's going to be a, a presentation of colors by the Plano Knights of Columbus. So a lot, a lot goes into this. How do you select the teams? And I'm guessing that these schools are eager to do something like this It's because it really uh, is a great way to highlight not only their teams but also their, their school and their communities. So how, how do you choose who plays? Sure. Um, we've really left it up to the diocese. You know, the, the diocese of Fort Worth and the diocese of Dallas, they're really the home base, and it's, it's their support that makes this possible. And they want to promote the fact that, you know, Catholic education is strong, and then it couples itself with, especially strong when it's coupled with af- athletics and all the things that go around it. So uh, Nolan High School being the biggest school playing football in the Fort Worth Diocese is ideal. Uh, They've gone through a coaching change this year. Aaron Maddox is the new head coach, so they're looking for some some new juice in their program. Uh, A lot of new people over there that are driving things, and they're they're excited to be showcase kind of their new their new football team, their new look. Um, And then we've had uh, John Paul II has also been a mainstay for us all three years uh, in Plano. In the Dallas Diocese, a good friend of my, mine, uh, David Bender, uh, who kind of helped me put this whole thing together the first year, he's on the board up there, and, and JP2 with George Teague is their athletic director that people would know from his days at, at the Cowboys, Nick Scheel, the uh, head coach, and uh, they've got a new president up there, Carl Ertel, who's really dynamic in getting the whole student body fired up around this. So we've got those, and then uh, I wanted to get – uh, you know, another smaller school in the area, it really didn't matter uh, what it was, but they reached out to me, the people from Munster, and Munster is a dynamic community, and uh, Sacred Heart School has been there a long time, and their uh, coach, Dale Schilling, is a real firebrand. He, he loves coaching kids, and they play hard. Their athletic director, Cody Wilson, is very well organized and great to work with, uh, so we've got them, and then we've got I always want one out-of-state team at least, and we've got St. Edmunds from Eunice, Louisiana, right by Lafayette, and uh, James Shiver is their head coach and athletic director, and he actually called me up after the first year. The first year we had a team from Little Rock, uh, Arkansas came and played, and he heard about the game, caught it on, on uh, live stream, and called me the next day and said, hey, here we are, you know, and we play pretty good football, so what if we got involved? And they came last year. And they were able to beat uh, John Paul II. They're a smaller school, but they're very well organized, travel really well. There'll be a couple of buses coming from Louisiana up to Frisco. So those are the four teams. And I've had other teams call me and talk about it, and we'll just kind of keep seeing that, you know, how we build this thing. I remember two years ago especially, the, the games were highly, highly competitive, I think, and you would remember better than I do, but I think both games went down to, like, the last play or the last drive and so clearly you want to match up the team so that it's competitive, right? And hopefully that's going to be the case this year. Yeah, that's what we always want is a good competitive game. 
uh, even if they're not the same size team, you know, from the, from the student body, you know, the, the TAPS organizations and UIL, they, they rank them basically by the size of the school, but it doesn't always matter. Um, St. Edmunds is much smaller than Nolan and uh, Sacred Heart is much smaller than, than John Paul too. But I think they'll be very competitive. Yeah. Two years ago, one went to double overtime and the other one came down to the last play in the end zone. So mm-hmm. that's what we love to have to keep people on the edge of their seats cheering for their team. Yeah. Well, we've covered, and by the way, if you're listening, this is a special pre-recorded uh, Labor Day good news show. We hope you're having a, uh, a nice, hopefully, day off today. We're talking about Catholic Bowl Three. It's happening this weekend, this Saturday, September 9th. And it's a doubleheader of high school football at the Ford Center at the Star in Frisco. And two of the four teams, as Patrick Steenberg has told us, are from the Diocese of Fort Worth and one from the Diocese of Dallas, one from Lafayette, Louisiana. And I think the—I want to say the bishop from Lafayette— is um, uh, Bishop Desatel, I believe, who's also from North Texas. So <laughs> every one of these has, right. a, has a North Texas connection. Uh, Patrick Steenberg is the founder and president of Global Football Foundation. As he mentioned, he has brought high school football, American football, to 28 countries, including Ireland, just uh, the, this year. And we here in North Texas exclusively get Catholic Bowl, and it's quite a blessing. And we will ta- tell you later on about how you can get tickets and uh, some of the details about showing up this Saturday for one or both of these games. Uh, I want Before we do that, P- Patrick, I want to talk about the third of the trifectas, and that is freedom. We talked about faith and football. And I see in the notes here that before both games, you'll be honoring uh, Father Emil Capon and presenting a 9-11 video tribute. Can you tell our listeners about that? Sure. Father Capon uh, really is a a martyred priest who was uh, a prisoner of war in Korea, where he had been with his men. And the stories of his uh, capture and of his time there are are pretty legendary, where he just refused to back down uh, from the Koreans uh, before he got captured. And afterwards, while he was in prison, he continued to say Mass to the other prisoners there. And uh, somebody brought this to my attention three years ago before we started this, and I learned a lot about it. So we want to celebrate the fact that uh, Father Capon and he's moving towards sainthood, all the process that that has to be done, uh, but he's moving in that direction, and hopefully that will happen uh, someday soon. But uh, we'll we'll give the uh, all the players, we'll get a Father Capon medal medallion that they can uh, take with them and, and keep proudly. So, yeah, that's, that's part of the, the freedom element. The other part of the freedom element is uh, the game will be th- this year on Saturday, September 9, two days before 9-11 will be commemorated. And we, we do that on purpose. We build this game around as close as we can to the 9-11 date. You know, those of us um, who were around then still can vividly remember where we were that day. I think everybody, every American can recall the kind of the shock of that day and the trauma that went on afterwards. But these high school students weren't born then, you know, the college students weren't born then. And and, uh, I think it's important that we commemorate it, that we remind them, that we tell them, hey, this, you know, you you used to be able to go to airports and just jump on a plane, right? You didn't have to get things checked because we weren't concerned about those kind of things, but it, it brought a difference to the world. And I think it's important. There were so many heroes that came out of that from the firefighters and the 
the you know the medics and the doctors and all the people that helped you know helped other survivors you know live through that and they're still going on today so it's a piece that we want to do so we'll show a uh, we've got a visit a, a video also of the 9-11 tragedy just just as a reminder for everybody yeah that's awesome and the, the knights of columbus are very much behind this event and i know they're going to be involved uh, friday night what will they be doing saturday and what is exactly the collaboration with the knights of columbus with catholic ball three sure we're actually going to use uh, two different groups um the group from plano has been has been very involved over the years of this event in fact they're going to do a provide a pregame meal for the team from Louisiana because they'll be coming in, you know, staying Friday night at, at the Drury's hotel in Richardson and then uh, get ready for their, for their game that kicks off at three o'clock. So they'll have a pregame meal that the Knights will put on uh, the Plano group. Uh, and then they'll also do the, uh, the color guard for that particular game. And the Fort Worth group Knights of Columbus uh, they're going to be cooking the barbecue dinner for us on Friday night. So they'll be out there with their their big cookers, their roasters, and preparing and serving the meals. for. It'll be a group of about 400 by the time we've got all four teams, their administrators, their coaches, special guests. We'll have about 400 people. So they'll be doing that. And then they also have an honor guard that will handle the, the Nolan St. Edmunds game inside the Ford Center. So it, it's great to have the Knights and, and all of their care and all their concern for the community. It's great to have them involved. Yeah. You know, I mentioned at the beginning of the, the program that Don Shotland and Barry Schwartz are going to join me at the second half of the program today. I don't want to talk a lot about the Schroeder trend now because I don't want to steal any thunder from what they're going to say in the next segment. But in addition to that, are there any other other things going on obviously the shroud is not directly related to football but it's going to be part of this event anything else that um will be of interest to our listeners that will happen uh, in association with the football games this weekend well some of our all of our sponsors and supporters that are in, involved in it which is you know the key the key sponsors are the diocese of fort worth through their found advancement foundation and the diocese in dallas but then there's other individuals and organizations like the State Farm Insurance of, of John Kraft and different groups, and they'll all have exhibit areas up around uh, the walkway above the seating there at the Ford Center, and they usually bring some interesting information, some interesting pieces. There was a whole art exhibit uh, last year that uh, just came about. Don actually put that together, Don Shotland, with his friends. So there's a lot going on you know, to fill in the spaces around the games. And you can also, you know, you don't, you can leave and come back with the same ticket. So that's, it's not a problem, but there'll be, there'll be cheerleaders. There'll be marching bands. We'll have the, uh, the JP two choir. will sing the national anthem for one of the games. Uh, so there'll be a lot, you know, going on in and around the, the football game, whether you're a football fan or not, I think it'll be air conditioned and cool, which is uh we're happy for this year. <laughs> So it'll be a nice place to spend your Saturday late afternoon and evening. Yeah, I think that AC comment is very important. I've never been to the star, so I wasn't sure if it was closed or open, but it uh, sounds like it's a closed facility. All right, so Catholic Bowl three happening this Saturday. My guest is Patrick Steenberg. He is the founder and president of Global Football Foundation. He hosts football games all across the world, which I think in and of itself is a really neat that you know amateur athletes are able to be on display 
display in now 38 or 28 different countries uh, around the world. And this weekend is Catholic Bowl 3. 3 o'clock, Nolan Catholic against St. Edmund of Eunice, Louisiana. Then 7 o'clock, the evening game will be John Paul II versus Sacred Heart Munster. And um, Patrick, if you could tell us about tickets how much they are, how people can get them, and also is there a televised option if people want to watch it on TV? Sure. Um, First of all, the Ford Center, which is part of the star complex of the Dallas Cowboys, it's as fine of a high school stadium as you'll see anywhere. And being indoors, of course, makes it it very special. The Dallas Cowboys train there uh, throughout the year whenever they want to be an indoors facility. So it's the turf is perfect, the seating is comfortable, uh, the concessions are great, so it's it's as comfortable a place to watch high school football or any level of football as you can find. Uh, so we're real happy that, that we're able to use that facility. Um, and the tickets for the game, it's the adult tickets are $20, the youth are 15 and it's for both games. So you can come at any point between, you know, 2 o'clock. Actually, the doors will open at 1.30 between 2 o'clock till about 10 o'clock and see some you know some great high school football see all the all the areas around up to, up top um the marching bands the cheerleaders all of that and it's uh they're offered you could find the tickets at the um, Ford Center website itself or go to globalfootball.com and then on on the globalfootball.com there's different drop downs for the Catholic Bowl and this will be the Catholic Bowl 3 and there you can access the tickets uh, very quickly. Uh, they're all, you know, ticketless, paperless uh, on your phones and things, so they're easy to get there. We've also invited a number of uh, middle schools and elementary school groups that we're hoping, you know, we want to get kids out there and enjoying, you know, their heroes of high school and, uh, you know, being part of the athletic scene of these schools. So. Uh, any of the some of the younger school teams, uh, some of them just in their school outfits. If if any groups, any schools want to come in their shirts and their spirit wear, you know, in their football, basketball, baseball uniforms, things like that, uh, then we're going to get them down on the field during pregame. We want them to be part of you know the blessing, the prayer before the game, and the national anthem, which would be a, a special sight on this day. So. Any school groups that are interested, uh, they'll be able to get them. We'll, we'll access them onto the field uh, once the warm-ups are done for the ceremonies of the pregame. All right, very good. And quite an undertaking, and I know you're not doing this by yourself. You must have a lot of volunteers. Are you still in need of volunteers? Uh, are you in need of donations to help foray the cost of, of this? Or, or other than coming on out and buying tickets and enjoying a day of football and faith and freedom, what are the other needs that uh, our listeners could help you with? Sure. I, I, you know, I think we're set with our staff for the day. We've got you know, people in place and, and the Cowboys are awesome on how they staff their facilities, you know, so they, they do a big part of it. I think we're, we're good on there. I would say the best thing people could do is buy tickets. And then if you want to donate them to a school, we've suggested, and we've had a number of people do that where they've come in, you know, and said, Hey, we'll do $500 worth of tickets for kids or a thousand dollars worth of tickets for kids. And, uh, you could, you could do that with schools, um, youth groups, anything like that. That might be the the best use of someone's investment if they want to do that so we can get more kids out there to to watch this this 
great game of football being played by high school kids from representing their Catholic schools. And is there going to be a live broadcast on radio or television? Do you? It's going to be uh, live streaming, and it's going to be on realzeal.org. That's R-E-E-L, like the, uh, the movie, R-E-E-L-Z-E-A-L.org. So realzeal.org, and all the action will be streamed there. So on your phone, on your computer, on your laptop, whatever, um, people will be able to watch the games there. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a great alternative, but nothing beats actually being out there in person. So get to that uh, globalfootball.com. And do you, did you say, Patrick, is that a good website to go to to buy the tickets? Yes, globalfootball.com. And then you'll see the Catholic Bowl is one of the drop-down areas. Catholic Bowl 3 and It'll direct you right to, to tickets and information about game times, com- opponents, all of that kind of information. All right. It's five days away. It's this Saturday, September 9th, double header of high school football at the Ford Center at the Star in Frisco. Again, uh, the field will be available for warm-ups and the color guard of the Plano Knights of Columbus at about 1.30, 3 o'clock, Nolan versus St. Edmunds of Eunice, Louisiana, and then the 7 o'clock, Game will be John Paul II against Sacred Heart in Munster. And, of course, the cheerleaders, the marching band, and all kinds of wonderful uh, things will be going alongside, including uh, the Shroud of Turin. I've purposely not said a whole lot about that in my conversation with Patrick because coming up after the break, we have uh, Don Shotland, who's a dear friend of our station, along with Barry Schwartz joining us via phone, and he is an expert on the Shroud of Turin. And we're going to talk about the Shroud, its significance, and also, so how the Shroud of Trend exhibit is going to be you know, on display this weekend and how you can take advantage of that when you go out to Catholic Bowl 3 this Saturday. Go to globalfootball.com for all the information. Again, the tickets range from 15 for students to $20 for adults. It's a great way to spend an afternoon yourself and uh, bring your entire family as well. Patrick Steenberg, thank you for what you do, and I appreciate your time on the show today. All right. Thank you for the great work you guys do on radio. Thank you so much. And we're halfway through on this Labor Day pre-recorded show. We'll come back, as I mentioned, with Don Shotland and Barry Schwartz talking about the Shroud of Turin and how it's associated with Catholic Bowl Three this coming Saturday. We'll be right back. The Guadalupe Radio Network in West Texas has an opening for a general manager. This job is based in Midland. This is a wonderful opportunity to join an apostolate dedicated to the highest level of professionalism, competence, ethics, and Catholic values. If you're interested in this opportunity, email your resume and a cover letter as to why you would like to work for the GRN to careers at grnonline.com. Hi, this is Dave Palmer. I think we can all agree that we are ready for summer to be done and fall to officially arrive with cooler temperatures, festivals, and lots of great things, including the Guadalupe Radio Network Fall Sherathon. It's right around the corner, Tuesday, September 12th through Friday, September 15th, from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. each day. The theme is Source and Summit. Please tune in, call, and support Catholic Radio on the Guadalupe Radio Network during our Fall Sherathon, beginning Tuesday, September 12th. I struggled with the memories of my sexual abuse for years. Thankfully, with Dawn of Mercy, I found the healing I needed. Dawn of Mercy is offering a three-day faith-based retreat, September 8th through the 10th. Contact Dawn of Mercy at 469-613-3296 or email healing at dawnofmercy.org for more information 
or to register for this amazing retreat. This will be an opportunity to experience healing in a loving, confidential, and discreet setting. Holy Family of Nazareth Parish in Irving invites all to their parish mission Saturday, September 9th through Tuesday, September 12th with guest preacher Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, known as the Dynamic Deacon for his no-nonsense approach to living and proclaiming the Catholic faith. Deacon Harold will preach at all the Masses on the weekend of September 10th and will give presentations on Monday and Tuesday evenings beginning at 7 p.m. For more information, visit holyfamilychurch.net and click on Church in 2023 Parish Mission. Hi, I'm Dave Kelly, owner of Kelly Custom Remodeling, a Catholic full-service remodeling and construction company, and a new sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Our motto is Turis Fortis Mihi Deus. God is my tower and strength. If you're dreaming of remodeling your home or business, you can reach me via email, dave at kelly, that's K-E-L-L-Y, customremodeling.com, or by phone at 972-804-2513. That's 972-804-2513. Loretta House in Denton is a pregnancy resource center that serves women dealing with unplanned pregnancies. They provide free pregnancy testing. Clients receive material goods like diapers, baby items, clothing, parenting classes, and more. Loretta House is an official apostolate of the Diocese of Fort Worth. All services are provided free of charge and remain completely confidential. Many babies are saved and many hearts changed. For more information, visit LorettaHouse.org or call 940-380-8191. Welcome back to this special Labor Day edition and special of the Good News Show here on this Monday. Hope your Labor Day is going well so far. What an honor it was to talk to Patrick Steenberg a moment ago about what is happening this Saturday with Catholic Bowl 3. And now you know about everything that's happening Friday evening, which is closed. And that's the spiritual side, the Mass, the Rosary with Bishop Olson. Saturday are the two games. And so now, as I kind of alluded to and have mentioned, we're going to talk about a very special exhibit that is going to be on display this Saturday at Catholic Bowl 3, and it is going to be the Shroud of Turin exhibit. And I'm very honored to have uh, my, my dear friend Don Shotland, who is co-founder along with John Alves of Real Zeal. Uh, that's what Patrick mentioned a moment ago, uh, the ones that are going to be broadcasting these games on Saturday. And uh, Don is the one that um, set up this exhibit and uh, also what an honor to have on the phone with us, Barry Schwartz. And let me just kind of give you a bio of Barry Schwartz. Uh, He was the official documenting photographer for the Shroud of Turin Research Project, the team that conducted the first in-depth scientific examination of the Shroud of Turin. This happened back in 1978. Today, he plays an influential role in Shroud research and education as the editor and founder of the internationally recognized Shroud of Turin website, which is shroud.com, the oldest, largest, and most extensive shroud research on the internet with more than 15 million visitors from over 160 countries. In 2009, uh, Barry founded the Shroud of Trend Education and Research Association, Stera Incorporated. And I think it's also important to mention that uh, Barry is Jewish and uh, believes very much that the Shroud is that of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, Barry, thank you very much for joining us on phone and Don Shotland for being in studio. Thank you, Dave. 
My pleasure to be here, Dave. Thank you. All right. So uh, there's more to the bio, but uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I think people get an idea that this is yeah, a, a, a real expert on the shroud. So, <laughs> right. Don, first of all, thank you for um, being here. Thank you for arranging for this exhibit. And if you could just uh, briefly talk about, uh, you know, real zeal, uh, your association with Patrick Steenberg and Catholic Ball 3, and also uh, the connection with Barry Schwartz, maybe those three things off the bat. Well, uh, the first thing that I would like everybody to know is that this is all happening due to the generosity of both the Dallas Bishop and the Fort Worth Bishop, Bishop Olson and uh, Bishop Burns. Yeah. yeah. And, and they have a vision of, uh, that doesn't just include what we're doing, but a, a vision of how to reach out to our youth and make everything look cohesive, whether mm-hmm. it's a football game or the Shroud of Turin exhibit, it, it should all address them in a way that makes them feel comfortable. So their generosity, and uh, we're so lucky in this large metroplex to have those two guys at the head of the ship. Mm-hmm. So uh, with that said, and because they were supporting Patrick in his efforts to put this game together, which, by the way, it's held, as it was earlier mentioned, over at the Star, the Dallas Cowboys, and Stephen Jones in particular, whose his generosity as well has made all of this available. So with that said, uh, what the Advancement Foundation wanted to do over in Fort Worth was to build upon the games and their excitement with things that are uh, more Catholic that would fit in around. So last year, Real Zeal produced a whole lot of beautiful art, which we exhibited. Some of it was religious, some of it was sports-oriented. And then this year, uh, because of our interest through the Real Zeal platform of uh, bringing in things like the Shroud of Turin speakers, there was nobody that I couldn't have gotten anybody better to commit to this than Barry Mm -hmm. because he is the expert to the experts and so with that said I I'd I'd like to defer to Barry (laughs) yeah yeah well thank you for that and um yeah Barry I I guess uh one question is you have clearly been very very interested in the Shroud of Turin and that's an understatement for decades now how did that interest begin especially as a, a person of the Jewish faith well, I have to be candid with you. Uh, I had worked on a project I, back in uh, the 70s. I operated a photographic studio in Santa Barbara, California, and we did commercial, scientific, medical. We had a, a diverse range of clients, and one of the clients was a local company that was a contractor to Los Alamos National Laboratories. They needed somebody that had darkroom experience. I had several darkrooms in our studio. Uh, and we spent seven months working on a project about atomic bombs. <laughs> so mm. at the end of that project, I'd worked with a gentleman named Don Devan. And just a few weeks after we finished that, and, you know, when you're self-employed and the phone rings, you're hoping it's praying it's the next job, <laughs> uh, Don <laughs> called me back. And I thought, aha, another project. And he said, well, not exactly. He said, what do you know about the Shroud of Turin? And at that point, I kind of laughed. And I said, but Don, I'm Jewish. And Don laughed. He said, <laughs> Don laughed. 
said, uh, so am I, remember? Don was one of the other Jewish members on our team. And so was Jesus. <laughs> and so was Jesus, right. And so, so it was kind of funny when, when I tell people that I got invited onto the Shroud of Turin Research Project by another Jewish man. <laughs> but uh, when he first asked me, I was very hesitant because I didn't really know a lot about it, and I didn't really want to get involved in something that was what I would consider well over my head. Uh, I'm an imaging guy, and, and he reminded me, he said, look, um, this is about an image. This is a scientific expedition. This is not something about individual person's faith. Uh, so it doesn't matter what religious background you have or what religious beliefs you have. Our purpose is to go and perform scientific tests to help determine whether this is a painting or a scorch or a photographically made uh, image. So we went there with the intent of just determining how is the image formed on the shroud. Is it a painting, as so many skeptics have said? Is it a scorch, as some skeptics have said? Or is it uh, something made photographically, as one or two people have suggested? So that was the purpose of our team. And although I said no initially, um, I thought about it, and I realized that um, there's a property of the Shroud's image that my friend Don Devan, the imaging scientist, had explained to me that there's a, a correlation of the image density, the lights and darks of the Shroud image, based on the distance between the cloth and the body at the time the image formed. And because of that, the uh, image on the cloth has three-dimensional or spatial or topographic information encoded into it. And I realized right from the beginning that in photography, I can imply shape and form by using highlights and shadows, but I'm not really encoding any distance information. So when I heard that, I realized that probably the only way this could have occurred is by some interaction between the cloth and the body. And that image property was so unique to me that I agreed to be on the team. So wow. that's, how, that's how I got started on the Shroud team. And how can we be sure that the the image is Jesus Christ? You know, you could say it's a it's a man. It was a man, perhaps who was crucified, maybe the time period. But how how can you identify that it is this particular man? That's a great question. Uh, obviously, science can never prove who the man on the shroud is. Science can't do that. However, you can look at all the data, and we do have recorded in the New Testament. Uh, the tortures that were applied to this man. And, you know, the Romans scourged lots of people and they crucified lots of people. They might have even speared some people in the side, as we see, as was done with Jesus. But only one man in all of documented history was crowned with a cap or crown of thorns to humiliate him because he had proclaimed himself king of the Jews. So they crowned him just with a nasty thorn bush to, okay, so you're... you're king of the Jews, well, here's your crown. So the man of the shroud has bloodstains covering his scalp from a crown or cap of thorns. And so if you use the uh, kind of the process of elimination, there's only one person that we know had all of those tortures uh, applied to him, and that was the historic Jesus of Nazareth. Mm, that's a great explanation. Thank you. And the fact that the image of Jesus is on the shroud you mentioned some people, you know, claimed it was a photographer, a photograph or a painting. 
is it miraculous or, or could this happen in the, in the natural uh, cycle well, of things? Look, you know, coming from a science background, I'm going to stay within the realm of science. I feel obligated to do that because of my role as a member of the only scientific team ever to fully examine that cloth. I firmly believe that science can only answer so many questions. And beyond that, why couldn't it be Jesus? Look, I can accept the historicity of Jesus and that we would have an artifact of that man, and one doesn't need to be a Christian to, to, to make that decision. And so uh, people often ask me, you know, I do get evangelized practically daily, <laughs> uh, which is fine. Look, at the beginning of all this, it was a little overwhelming, but then the, the more I thought about it, the more I realized, what, what is somebody asking me? They, they're asking me to feel something in my heart that they obviously feel in theirs. That's an expression of love. Yeah. And having studied this a bit myself, that's the core message of Jesus anyway, is about love. So I'm not offended when I'm evangelized, but I'm still Jewish. I'm not a Messianic Jew. And I believe I serve God by being the person that I am and telling the truth about the science without any spin. And I still believe we don't have enough scientific data to exclude the possibility of a natural uh, event that caused the image. There's still a few theories that haven't been properly and fully uh, explored. But at the same time, when people say, is it a miracle? I'll say, you know, even if this happened under natural circumstances, the odds of it happening are so extreme that you could call that a miracle, and I wouldn't object to that at all. Yes, right. Um, but from, from the standpoint of people of faith, I always say, look, is your faith so weak that you need science to support it? <laughs> if that's the case, then maybe the problem is your faith and not the science. But I also believe this, that anyone who looks at that piece of cloth, look, the answer to faith isn't going to be on a sheet of linen. Yes, okay? right. The answer to faith is in the eyes and hearts of those who look at that sheet of linen and what it does within them. And even Jesus said the kingdom of God is within us. So from that point of view, um, I always tell people that, you know, the science is important. That was our purpose, is tried to determine how that image was formed. By the way, we proved it's not a painting, and it's not a scorch, and it's not made photographically, but we know of no mechanism at this moment in time that can create an image with the chemical and physical properties we documented on that cloth. So from my point of view, I tell people that, look, you can look at this from a scientific point of view. Science is obligated to stay within the measurable and the observable faith has no boundaries. So people of faith can look at this and they can accept this as perhaps even a product of the resurrection. Science can't go there. So science has limitations, but faith doesn't. So I just tell people, look, unless the science is that important to you, follow your heart. Yeah. And Barry, uh, if you just move back a little bit on one of our conversations, you mentioned to me that you thought it was going to, once you got in front of it with your cameras and the uh, uh, state-of-the-art uh, uh, technology, yeah, that was there, that you thought you were going to be there about 15 or 30 minutes, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I did say that. I kind of opened my mouth and sort of said, <laughs> I said, yeah, give us five minutes and we'll find the paint and we'll come home. <laughs> well, it's 45 years later. <laughs> and there a little wasn't bit. any paint. <laughs> Yes. And, and frankly, you know, it's interesting. You know, we photographers always have in our pockets somewhere a 10x magnifying loop. 
And so when we were, when the shroud was brought to us that very first night and unveiled before us, I immediately pulled out that 10x magnifier, and I started going over to the image and started looking to see if I could see any paint or pigment or binders, any indication at all with my eyes that something had been added to that cloth to create that image, and there was nothing there. Hmm. If anything, the image is slightly yellowed fibers compared to less yellowed fibers around it, and it's the concentration of those yellowed fibers in any given area that gives the impression of darker or lighter. Right. It's like a halftone in a, a reproduction in a newspaper or magazine. It's made of little dots, and the closer those dots are and the higher concentration of dots, the darker the image appears, and the space between them is wider, uh, and there are fewer dots, it looks lighter in the resulting image. So there's a similarity to a halftone in the, the way the shroud image is formed, but there is no paints, pigments, or dyes, or anything added to that cloth to create the image. There's no silver anywhere on that cloth that was in photography. So we've eliminated all of those, and we still don't have an answer. Our purpose was to answer a single question, how is the image formed? And in the end, we couldn't answer that question. We could tell you what it's not, but we yeah. can't tell you a mechanism that can make, make an image with those properties. Right. And, Barry, are there still a lot of skeptics, or do you think there's enough scientific proof of people like yourself and your uh, 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 Shroud of Tour and Education and Research Association that have turned most of the skeptics around, or is it still high, hotly debated? Well, it's still, it's always going to be hotly debated. There will always be skeptics. And, and people have asked me, well, why is it that the skeptics sort of wave their hands and dismiss the science? And one of the skeptics referred to our peer-reviewed science as the rantings of believers. <laughs> well, I know three Jewish guys who might take attention to that. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> none of us became Christians, uh, although... Two of the three of us, for sure, I never discussed it at, at the end before Don Devan died, but Dr. Alan Adler, the blood chemist on our team, in one of the last conversations I had with him before he died, told me, he said, you know, Barry, I'm, I'm, I'm pre pretty much getting to be convinced it's got to be the real thing. Mm. And it took me conversations with him and others and access to all the science, and I eventually became convinced that the most plausible explanation is we have an artifact of the historic Jesus of Nazareth. Now, I'm going to share quickly with you what my little Jewish mother said when she got to hear one of my lectures. Afterwards, we were driving back to her apartment, and she was absolutely silent. And I always tell people, when a Jewish mother is silent, be afraid. <laughs> Time to be afraid, you know? And so I finally turned to her. I said, well, what do you think of all this? And she looked at me, and she said, well, of course it's authentic. Now, it took me 17 years after leaving my own DNA on that cloth before I became convinced. My mother hears one lecture, and she's convinced. So I asked her, what makes you say that? And she said, that wonderful condescending tone of voice that mothers can get she said barry they wouldn't have kept it for two thousand years if it had belonged to anyone else it wouldn't have mattered <laughs> <laughs> well when i thought about that now think about this for a moment whoever preserved that and took it out of the tomb that day that morning put themselves at great risk because the shroud of turin violates two jewish laws a it has blood on it and it's required to be buried with the body mm. B, it contains an image, and as we know to this day, both Jews and Muslims are forbidden to have any depictions of God mm, or Jesus. Yes, yes. So, uh, so my mother's observation was actually very profound when you think about it. 
somebody had to put themselves at great risk to preserve that cloth, and you wouldn't do that if it were just the cloth wrapping Joe Blow, but if it were the, if you were one of the disciples and this was a cloth that wrapped the man you believed to be the Messiah, you're going to take whatever risk is necessary to preserve that cloth. Yes, so my uh, mother's observation is very was really a valid one. Yeah, very good. Don? Yeah, uh, when you mentioned uh, the Jewish laws that uh, you just mentioned, it reminded me of a, uh, something you said about um, the carbon dating and the mixture of cloths. Could you touch well, on that? Sure, sure. There's, there's something uh, called the mixing of the kinds, which is forbidden by Jewish law for a burial shroud of somebody of high stature. Um, somebody found a burial shroud of a, uh, a leper, and it was a mixture of cotton and wool, and uh, but the the Old Testament somewhere in the Old Testament or in the Mishnah it says pure linen raiments. So the mixing of the kinds would be forbidden in a burial shroud of somebody of high stature. We knew uh, from the Gospels that Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man, they didn't tell us much else about him, but he was a wealthy man, provided the cloth, provided the tomb. So. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea would have been able to afford a very high-quality cloth like this would have been in the first century. Mm. So I think that there's enough there to support the fact that this piece of cloth wrapped the historic Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah, And and if you would just add a little bit more on that mixing of the cloth with regards to the... The mixing of the kind would be a, a cloth that would have cotton, wool, and linen mixed together, right? And that that's forbidden, but, especially for, as I said, if, uh, for a burial shroud of somebody of high stature, that they would want it to be pure linen. Okay, so, so would you shroud, would you address that that uh, problem with the sample that was taken from yeah. the shroud for the carbon exactly. dating? Exactly. When the uh, a reserve portion of the sample that was taken for radiocarbon dating was analyzed by Ray Rogers, the lead chemist on our team from Los Alamos National Laboratories, uh, Rogers found cotton interwoven with the linen. Not only did he find cotton, he was able to isolate and chemically analyze and determine that that cotton, which would have been a different color than the kind of straw yellow linen itself, was then dyed with rose matter dye from the matter root plant. Um, and uh, so that dye was applied to match the color of the repaired corner there where they took that sample to match the color to the rest of the shroud. Now, interestingly enough, over the centuries since that repair was accomplished, that area aged differently and was a darker color than the rest of the shroud. And you can see that in just the white light, normal light photographs I took of that area. And so it's obvious there was something anomalous in that area. And with Rogers finding cotton interwoven and then cotton dyed to match the color of the shroud, that indicates a repair had been done with newer materials added, and that disqualified that sample as a representative of anywhere else on that cloth. Amazing. Barry Schwartz is the founder of the Shroud of Turin Education and Research Association. 
Also one of the official documenting photographers of the Shroud of Turin Research Project back in 1978. Uh, Don Shotland is in studio with me. Barry's on the phone. Don is co-founder of Real Zeal. Uh, Don, we're uh, starting to run out of time, and I want to make sure that our listeners are aware, now that we have all this incredible information from Barry, about what exactly is happening this Saturday at Catholic Bowl three in re, in relationship to you, you got these great football games going and it's going to be at the Ford Center at the Star in Frisco. What, what's what will be happening in regard to the Shroud of Turin exhibit and how can people take advantage of it? Well, Barry will also uh, add a little com- commentary to this at the end, but because he knows exactly what I'm bringing to the exhibit, uh, three pieces, but. It, since this was an indoor venue, it, it gave us uh, the ability to be a vendor, just as St. Thomas uh, Catholic, you know, University in Houston. The guys from the Knights of Columbus, they'll all be there, and so will we. So, as you walk in the front gate and go to your left, you will see the exhibit, and it, it gives somebody the actual chance not to just look at those pictures that they've seen before but get really close to them. And I'll let Barry finish up about the the authentication part of it. And this is 14 feet tall, right? So this is an actual life size of the shroud. People may not realize that it's uh, it's quite large. Yeah, Barry, we uh, we have about two or three minutes left in the interview. If you could add anything to uh, what Don has said. So Don has obtained from us both a life-size replica of the shroud, printed onto a cotton canvas material in natural color, so it's as precisely and accurately representing exactly what I saw when I made those photographs, in addition to the large black-and-white negative view images that are very familiar to the public that have the dark background and the lighter image of the man. That's the shroud as it would appear on a photographic negative. So uh, what you're going to be able to do in the real world when the shroud is on public display, they let you get about 10 feet from it, and it's behind bulletproof glass. With the replica, you can people can come right up to it, although you want to be careful. You don't want people to put their hands on it and leave the oils from their fingers on it. It could stain it over time. But people will be able to get much closer to the replica than they ever could to the actual shroud. And I think that when one displays one of our life-size replicas, it becomes the centerpiece of any exhibit. Mm. So I'm expecting that uh, the exhibit next week is going to be uh, heavily attended because once you tell people you've got a life-size replica of the shroud, they want to see it. And it is 14 and a half feet in length, by the yeah, way. Yeah, wow. And uh, either you can answer this. Will there be any information alongside that people can read? Or will there yes. be anybody there physically that can explain things or what? Well, I will be, number one. But okay. number two, I, I have uh, gotten some advertising pieces, and they'll be present, too. Okay, very good. Well, that just about brings us out uh, to the end of our, our program. This is a special Labor Day uh, program of the Good News Show. And uh, the whole hour we've been talking about the event this Saturday, which is going to be September 9th. It's a doubleheader of high school football at the Forge Center at the Star in Frisco. It's called Catholic Bowl 3. And last segment, uh, Patrick Steenberg told us all about the, the teams that are playing. We've got the Nolan Catholic High School playing St. Edmund of Eunice, Louisiana, beginning at 3. And then at 7 o'clock, John Paul II High School will play Sacred Heart in Munster. So three of our local teams out of the four that are playing. Uh, and uh, you can go to, um, it's, gosh, his website is... Um, 
globalfootball.com globalfootball.com you can get tickets there as well i think the tickets are like twenty dollars for adults and 15 for students and so just in the the brief time we have remaining first of all barry i want to thank you very much for thank taking you, time barry. to be with us uh very valuable information is there anything else that you'd like to mention briefly before we close out our interview with you well, sure. Uh, let me just point to, uh, point out to people that if you really want to get into studying the Shroud of Turin, I strongly urge you to come and visit Shroud.com, although I will recommend that you pack a lunch and a snack because you'll be there for a while. <laughs> what a great website to get. Uh, Shroud.com. It's simple enough. Uh, Barry Schwartz, uh, one of the foremost leaders of research and photography in the Shroud of Turin, uh, Shroud.com. It's easy to remember. Please visit that. And Don, I'll close out with you. Last comment? Yeah, I'd just like to uh, thank again Bishop Olson and Bishop Burns. And then additionally, he should be pointed out, he's Bishop Olson's right-hand man, Clint Weber, over at the Advancement Foundation in Fort Worth. None of this would happen without those two visionaries. All thank right. you, guys. Amen. Thank you to both. And, of course, thank you to Patrick Steenberg, my first uh, guest of the program. I hope everybody's having a very blessed and restful Labor Day. We will, I think, be uh, – no, actually, we're not going to have a show next week. Uh, reasons I, I won't explain, but there won't be a show next week. I'll see you the following week, perhaps. Uh, thanks to Cecil Anderson for producing the program. And thank you for listening uh, to The Good News Show and supporting great uh, – uh, apostolates uh, like Shroud.com and uh, Global Football and also the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you. Thank you for listening.